Karen and Paul. Paul, or Karen, yeah, you come first. I love this. Thank you guys so much for being here. We love y'all so much. Thank you so much. I love coming to this church. I love the praise and worship, and I love the way you honor the Lord. And uh, I, I was telling Paul this morning, and Pastor, I'm just excited to be here and to be with you. You know, uh, we've been missionaries now for about 35 years. Started in Mexico, went into South America. The Lord allowed us the privilege of taking a team of about 40 people, bringing Bibles, smuggling Bibles into China. And then after that, the Lord started speaking to us and started talking to us about going to the, the uh, Soviet Union. Some of you younger people don't, probably are not even familiar with that term, but to smuggle the rhema word of God through the Iron Curtain. And as we were preparing to do that, the Lord was so good to us that in uh, 1989, he brought the wall down. And we were going into Romania. And we were among the first people who, who were able to preach the gospel in the open air in Romania. And uh, it was such a, a great day. We were in the, the same scare. You know, Romania was the only country that actually had to uh, have some sort of revolution. In other words, shots fired uh, coming against the government before the government just relinquished and gave their country um, freedom. And so we were in that same square where 23 people had been killed. And there was a, a group about 80 or 90 people uh, in that group. And we began, we were with another group. Uh, actually, we joined in with a Danish group and just stood up on a bench and began preaching Jesus in the open air and called forth uh, the people at the end to receive the Lord. And the whole crowd moved up, and, and, uh, except for maybe five or six people. And we looked at each other and said, you know, they probably don't understand. <laughs> so we were, we, we were saying to each other, well, let's do it again. All right. Now, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you, you realize that you're a sinner, and you want to come forward, and, uh, and, and be a disciple of Christ, come forward. And they all came forward again. And we thought, these folks, you know? And so we tried it again, they came forward again. Uh, they probably were thinking, well, what's wrong with these leaders up there? But anyway, the Holy Spirit finally just, you know, knocked us in the head and said, this is the time for Romania. And I believe with your pastor, this is the time for you all too, to come forth. And so uh, it was a great time. We were able to start a Bible school there in Romania. And then the Lord began shifting our attention to the Soviet Union. And we had a wonderful time there. We did 18 leadership training institutes in, the, so in Russia itself. And uh, from St. Petersburg all the way to Siberia, which was a real experience. <laughs> But uh, the Spirit of God was moving on that country, and it was a, it was a, a time of harvest. And um, I believe that there's going to be a time of harvest coming to this country, no matter what it looks like now, because uh, Jesus is victorious. 
So uh, the Lord uh, let us work there in the, uh, Lithuania, Ukraine, all of those countries, and then brought us to Poland. And we lived in Poland for seven years. And we saw the Lord do marvelous things there. And uh, at the end of that time, uh, the Lord sent us back home. And he sent us back to South America. And we began working in, in uh, Peru. Uh, we were able to, to build an orphanage uh, for a tribal people. I always loved being with them because they were about this tall. Paul said, you really enjoy going there because you're taller than all those other women. <laughs> But uh, what a strong people, just a wonderful people, absolutely in love with Jesus. And can you imagine living in darkness, worshiping spirits, the spirit of the woods, and, and having, you know, uh, the earth be your God and, and the sun be another God? I mean, this is still going on in the world. There's so much darkness out there. But these people had found Jesus, and they were just exciting to be with. And then uh, the Lord moved us in Bolivia. And uh, we do a lot of work in Bolivia now. We've been in there for about five years. And uh, the Lord gave us great favor with the government there. And uh, after a couple of years, the Lord, uh, the Lord had the mayor of the uh, city call us in. And uh, this man asked us if we would go into the schools and help because uh, Taria was a city that was just really beginning to grow and blossom, but gangs were coming in from the cities. And, um, and the children that were changing, and there was just so much more drugs in the school, and kids were getting, young women were getting pregnant, and uh, they didn't know what to do. And so they said, can you help us? And we said, yes, if we can preach Jesus Christ. Because without Jesus, there will be no change. And so he, he gave us carte blanche. And we began to preach uh, Jesus in the schools. And, and then he, he gave us not only the city of Tarija, but the state there in, in Bolivia. It's called Tarija. And he said, we want you in every city, in every, every part of our state. So we need help. <laughs> <laughs> and we brought, uh, we've been bringing teens to Bolivia. And um, last year we, we brought a team in, and they helped us to begin two churches. But they also work with young people. And we get to go into the schools. And uh, we can, uh, we, we do uh, dramas. We, we can, uh, we share Jesus and we give them the opportunity to learn about Jesus. We've also been raising up leaders because that's what we do. Uh, we can't be there all the time, but if we can raise up young leaders who are strong in the Lord, uh, they carry on the work without us. So last year, the, the couple that has been so uh, dynamic in what they're doing there in those schools uh, prayed with over 2,000 young people to receive the Lord. Wow. So... Um, um, we want you to be thinking about maybe the Lord might be calling you to come with us sometime, maybe even next fall, um, to Bolivia. And if you're interested in that, you can see the pastor. And also, uh, if you would like to receive our monthly newsletters, we have um, 
a, a newsletter that goes out. We need your name, your first and last name, and your email address, if you could just write it on a piece of paper and uh, just put it on the back of the, uh, right there by that candy dish, I think. Uh, then we'll pick it up afterwards and, and put you on our newsletter list. And even if you're not interested in going, you'll be, we always use uh, that for our prayer uh, request, and you can stay with us and see where the Lord is bringing us this year. We do a lot of work also uh, with a partner there in Togo. Togo is the third poorest country in the world. And um, right now, they need a lot of prayer. Uh, they're going through kind of a, uh, well, they'd love to take out their cruel and very uh, selfish government. Uh, right now, uh, their, their constitution actually says you, can no long, you cannot be president more than 10 years. And this man and his family has been reigning over uh, Togo for, for 60 years now multi multi billionaires while the people third poorest people in the world and as i understand they make less than two dollars a day so um uh, but we have a, a man and his wife who are so courageous their names are mawisi and pauline please remember to pray for them their lives are in danger uh, the, the government now is going into villages, and if they think that you are any kind of leader, uh, they'll shoot you on the spot. And uh, Mawisi has escaped uh, their clutches about four different times now. The Lord's been good. But uh, in the last six years, we have joined Mawisi, and uh, he had... In uh, nine years, nine or ten years, he had been able to raise up nine different churches. But since we've been working with him, he has raised up 24 different churches. <clears throat> and we are talking about deep darkness. We're talking about spiritual um, worship. And, you know, we don't understand the power of the enemy has over there in Africa. Uh, it's very dangerous, and <coughs> excuse me, uh, the witches and the witchcraft. And Melissa is in an area that there are no churches now, and uh, uh, there's no water either. Uh, that people have to walk 12 hours one way to get water. Many young children are dying, and pregnant women, and you know, if you're not a strong, have a strong constitution, you're not going to make it in these villages. And so we've been able to put 13 wells into those areas. And they think it's very strange because the Muslims are trying to do the same thing. But they will only let you get water if you worship Muhammad. And uh, they, they come to Mawisi and Pauline and say, we don't understand. Anybody? Are you saying anybody can get water? Anyone? And uh, they'll say, yes. And Jesus is the water of life. So uh, please be, be praying for them. Um, we are leaving um, Tuesday to head towards Bolivia. We'll be there for about three weeks. We'll be uh, training and teaching 
reinforcing the leadership that we have there, and we'll be getting ready for the uh, fall um, evangelism trips. And so um, they're having difficulty there, and they they have <laughs> the president of their of their uh, company is also the president of the cocaine union there in Bolivia, hates, hates evangelists and is trying to put laws in that will, um, uh, will limit the evangelical churches. And um, they're saying now the law that he's trying to pass now, Pachimama is the main god of the um, indigenous people there. Pachimama is the earth god. And um, right now they're saying that if you preach against Pachimama, you can go to prison. But we have very bold and very courageous preachers there who are, are not buckling under that pressure. Um, so pray for us while we're there. And uh, Bolivia and Togo, we would really love you to join with us and partner with us in that. And we'll come back and we'll give you a good report. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, congratulations on your new changing situation. Wow, that's great. Uh, by the way, <clears throat> I uh, travel a good bit in that area where you're moving to. And I'm always amazed that even though it looks like it's a rural area, a lot of trees, a lot of forest, that there are neighborhoods just scattered all through that area. A lot of people living in darkness and need someone to bring the light to them. And God is calling you to do that. So just get ready. Get ready because there's going to be a lot of people want to know what you're about and going to come check you out. And so uh, congratulations. I am so happy for you. Praise the Lord. Well, Karen has given you a good bit of history and a little bit of idea of what our vision is and what God is using us to do. And so I want to share with you a little bit more about what it is we do and why we do it. Uh, our key verse for many years has been 2 Timothy 2.2, which says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, from almost the very beginning of our ministry, 35 years ago, that's been our key verse. And we have been uh, involved in uh, empowering leaders and teaching leaders and bringing resources and helping to grow the church. And that's one of the things we'll be doing uh, when we get to Bolivia in a couple of weeks is that there is a group of young people who call us grandparents, grandma and granddad, and uh, they have started a new church, and they've asked us to come and teach on the kingdom of God. And when word got out that we were going to be doing that, uh, they contacted us in another city and said, hey, look, could you come teach on the kingdom of God to us also? And then word got out again, and before you know it, I've got three churches wanting me to do a three-day conference on the, on the kingdom of God. So be praying for us. Be praying for us. Uh, because we belong to the kingdom of God, so we shouldn't have any trouble sharing what that's all about and good news. But I'd like to share this verse with you also in Romans 10.10. 10. It says, And Isaiah is very bold, 
I said 10, 10, 10, 20. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me, and I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. And the question I have is, well, did they not seek the Lord? Did they not ask about the Lord because of ignorance? Because nobody had gone forth like LifePoint and told them that there is a kingdom, that there's a kingdom of God and a kingdom of evil, and that there are benefits to belong to the kingdom of God, and God loves you and He wants you in that kingdom, so why not come on and join with us? Maybe it's ignorance. Maybe nobody has actually told them. And interestingly enough, the Bible says, Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so it's there for them. It's just the Lord is waiting for someone like us to go and share it with Him. Or maybe it's they're not seeking Him and they're not finding Him because of rebellion. They've heard. They know the truth. They know when they look at churches, when they come here and see this, and when they're going to see you down there. And they know that there are churches, and maybe they visited and they've just decided to live in darkness instead of light. But either way, he says that I was found by those who did not seek me, and I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. And I think about being uh, a missionary all these years and traveling to over 60 countries and being in all these different places and preaching the gospel and preaching the good news. Uh, you may have an argument, well, you don't have to do that. And it's true. No longer do you have to have missionaries going to places to preach the gospel, and no longer do you have to go to places like that to find people who are lost, who don't even know the name of Jesus, who've never even darkened the door of a church, who have no idea who Jesus is. We've got those people right here, and they are of different races, different ethnicities, uh, from different walks of life, but they're they're people just like you and I. We work beside them every day. We go to school with them. We shop in the same stores they do. And those people have no idea who Jesus is. In fact, there's a lot of good old boys that think Jesus Christ is just a good cuss word to use when you get angry. And so you don't have to go outside the United States to find people. And that's why the Lord has brought LifePoint into existence because you're light and salt in a dark world. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of darkness out there. Amen? And so we need to be going forth and doing that. And God has commanded us to. In Matthew 28, He's told us that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Amen. Go, therefore, because I have all this authority, all authority, and make disciples of all nations. If you go up here... We, we call it affectionately Chambodia. If you go up here on Buford Highway north of Atlanta, there are a hundred, let's see, maybe it, it's, I think it's 77 different languages spoken. If you start at 285 and go north on Buford Highway, you can encounter people speaking 77 different languages. You can find temples of all kinds. You, anything you want or looking for in the world, you can find it right there. And there's a mission field right there. Guess what? They're all, a lot of those are moving to Douglas County. Just over here on, uh, I believe it's Aniwake, there's a mosque there. I mean, you don't have to go to the nations of the world to find the nations of the world. Amen? And He has commanded us to go and make disciples and to teach them, 
to observe all the things that we've been commanded to do. And that's our responsibility. Jesus came as a missionary. He was on the earth for 33 years. He did the part that he was supposed to do. Everything the Father told him to do, he did. But when he left, he left us a mandate to do this. And he said, the things that I do shall you do, and greater work shall you do, because I go to the Father. I go to the Father so the Holy Spirit can be sent. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with power. And in fact, in Acts 1.8, when uh, they were in the upper room at Pentecost, he said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I believe LifePoint is a Spirit-filled church, isn't it? Yeah, so he's talking about us. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Now look what it says. Both in Jerusalem, both, not just Jerusalem. Jerusalem is, represents the city you live in. And in all Judea, that's Georgia. And maybe for Jeremy, he'd rather it be Alabama, or maybe y'all, do y'all live in Alabama? Okay, almost. You're, you're working that way, right? Life point number two. Okay, all right. So, uh, Judea and Samaria. Who, who is Samaria? Those are the undesirables in our lives. Those people that we don't really want to be sent to. Those people we don't really want to associate with. That's our Samaria. But then it says to the uttermost parts of the world. And that's Karen and I and others as well. And why do we do that? Why is the Lord saying to go into all the world? I filled you with power. Now go and be my witnesses. Why is that? Well, a, a couple of things that I think of, and not this is not an all-inclusive list, but one is something we hardly ever hear about anymore, and that's hell. There is a hell. It's a real place. Regardless of what the political correctness people want to say, there's, they don't want us to use the word evil. It's an evil place where evil people go and will spend eternity there. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Those are those people who still are living in darkness and like it. And like it. In fact, it says that they didn't come to the light because they liked living in the darkness. And there's a lot of darkness just right outside that door. And so the Lord wants us to go and be light to those people. And he came so that he could seek those people out and they could be saved because someone is going to preach the gospel to them. And the gospel is good news. The Bible tells us unless a person repents of his sins, he will go to hell for eternity. The re Somebody asked me, how did I know your pastor? I know him because I sold firewood to him. Uh, back in, in 2014, I believe, so it's been a while, and uh, he's a customer. That I, I say, I don't even sell firewood anymore, but I like Josh. So, you know, when he calls, I say, okay, I'll find some for you. But that's the way I know him. And the, that brings me to my point is that I have a fireplace and I have a wood-burning stove. And sometimes that wood-burning stove, when it's really cold outside, like today, I stoke that baby up. And uh, when I go to check to see if I need to put more wood in there and I open those doors, I think of hell. I do. I really do. I look in there and I see those embers and they're just glowing and it is so hot. And I think there are people who are alive on the earth today. There are people I know 
that are going to burn for eternity in a place like that. No, really, not like that. Much, 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 much hotter. And they're going to be in torment forever. We don't talk about that very much in our churches anymore. We talk about the good stuff. We don't want to talk about hell. And now, because of political correctness, it is no longer acceptable in our country, in our country, to tell people about hell, to tell them they're wrong, that they're living in sin. And in some places, you can now go to jail. It's getting very close to what we preach being a message of hate. And see, that's not true. That's how far we've gone in the wrong direction. But there is a hell. The Bible tells us, and as much as it is appointed for men to die once, and we're all going to do that until the Lord comes back, and after this comes judgment. As death finds you, so shall the judgment. If right now, even though you're dressed up, you're been in church, you're singing songs, and you even close your eyes in prayer, maybe you gave something in the offering, even though you're excited about the move and all those things, it could be that you've never really given your heart to the Lord. And when that time comes that you die or the Lord comes back, it says, as death finds you, so shall the judgment. There won't be an extra chance. There won't be, I'm sorry, Lord, I should have done that. I meant to do it. No. Right then, that's the way you're going to meet your maker. And so hell is a real place. It's a real place. Let me read something to you that you may never have heard. You may never have heard because you're young. Maybe you haven't been in church that long. Maybe you've never heard. This is not a parable. This is a real uh, account, a re recounting of something that happened that the Lord spoke. And in Luke 16, 19 through 24, it says this. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, or in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus. See, he still had that uppity atmosphere even in hell. He said, Sid Lazarus, so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. wasn't a parable. It's a true story. Now, there is no Abraham's bosom anymore, the way I understand it. Now we're sleeping, and we're not really asleep. <laughs> uh, we're gone. The people who uh, have died, they're not in Abraham's bosom anymore. They've gone on to meet their maker. And they're there. And uh, there, there's going to be a judgment one day when we're all going to stand before the Lord. And He's going to open the books. He's going to look to see if our name is there. Our name will be there if we've accepted Jesus and we're living for Him. It won't be there if we've been deceived and fooled and we're still living in darkness. See, we don't preach that anymore. Hardly ever. I don't preach it very much. And uh, 
just to tell you the truth, when uh, I began to prepare for, for this morning, I had a wonderful message on His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts higher than our thoughts. And I was going to develop that, and it's a good sermon. It's really good. Maybe I can come back in the new building and preach it. But, and uh, they said, um, send us your scriptures so we'll have them so we can put them up on the board. And so I got it all prepared, and I put it in an email, and I was just getting ready to send when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's not the one I want you to preach today. I said, but Lord, I've done all this work and it's such a good sermon. He says, I know, I know, but that's not the one. And he wanted me to preach this one. And then as I began to develop this one, the Lord began to show me other things. And he started to show me about hell. And I said, Lord, I, 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 I'm not an evangelist. I I don't even preach about that anymore. I preach about the good things. I'm going to preach some of that in just a minute. I preach about the good things and get people excited and happy to be a believer. And he said, yeah, but there are those who are living in darkness who haven't heard that there is a hell. And I want you to say that. Now, usually when the Lord tells a person to say something, it's because he's got someone who needs to hear it. And as I was preparing, even this morning, as I was reading over my notes, and I saw that about, about going to hell, I mean, there was a little bit of apprehension in, in me. And the Lord allowed me to feel that feeling of, what if you stand in front, and you thought all this time, because all these things you've done and places you've been, that you're guaranteed a place in heaven. What if I find out that it's all been wood, hand, stubble. And I tell you what, I began to fear and tremble a little bit. After 60 years of being a believer, 35 years as a missionary, to be confronted with that reality, it's a fearful thing. It's kind of like when I open that box to that heater and I feel that heat. Or maybe sometime I touch something that's too hot. And All right, I think, you, I think you've heard it. But there also is a hell on earth. You know, people have wondered, where is hell? Is it somewhere way out there? Or is it in the depths of the earth? Or where is hell exactly? And I want you to know that I believe it's in the earth. I believe it's down there toward China. But that's just a belief. I can't prove that or anything, you know. Uh, and I don't want to go there ever to figure it out. But I believe that there's a hell on earth. What I mean by that, you know, we've had that phrase, man, I just went through hell, you know. Well, I got to thinking about that. And there are people in the earth who are experiencing things that they think is hell. Boy, are they going to be surprised. But let me share. In Deuteronomy 28, it's a very uh, uh, popular scripture. It talks about the blessings of obedience but it also talks about the curses of disobedience. And I just want to read a couple of verses here, more than a couple, because couples too, at least it was when I was growing up. But no, we got this new math, so it could be more than that. All right. But look in Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. It says, But it shall come about, if you do not obey the Lord your God, to observe to do all His commandments and His statutes with which I charge you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Deuteronomy 28 is a very long chapter. And the first 14 verses has to do with the blessings. 
Everything else has to do with the curses. And I tell you what, there's some pretty bad stuff going on here for those who are disobedient. Uh, what about uh, poverty and failure? Deuteronomy uh, 28, 20, it says, The Lord will send upon you curses, confusion, and rebuke, and all you undertake to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds, because you have forsaken me. A lot of people are living like that. What about sickness and disease? Verse 22, the Lord will smite you with consumption, and I don't know what consumption is. I think it's like tuberculosis. It's bad, whatever it is, it'll kill you. With consumption and with fever and with inflammation and with fiery heat, and with the sword, and with the blight, and with mildew, and they will pursue you until you perish. A sickness and disease. That's part of the curse for those who are disobedient. What about infidelity, and rape, and divorce? In verse 30, you shall betroth the wife, but another man will violate her. You shall build a house, but you will not live in it. You'll plant a vineyard, but you will not use its fruit. Been married 45 years to this lovely woman. She's made me a very happy man. And I tell you what, if when I married her and somebody else came along and took her away, I'd be heartbroken. I might even shed a tear. But the Bible says part of the curse is that you'll have a wife, but someone else will lie with her. Someone else will take her away. Now, I don't like that. That kind of be like hell on earth. And what about slavery? In verse 41, it says, You shall have sons and daughters. You, I have only one child. I have a daughter. And I tell you what, she is and uh, was and is the apple of my eye. And, you know, I can uh, relate to this. But they will not be yours, for they will go into captivity. Now there, we see throughout the Old Testament that there were times when, after war, that people were taken into captivity. Uh, Babylon and Assyria for Israel. But that could also be spiritual captivity. But praise the Lord, the Lord said He came to set the captives free. Wow, see, that's good stuff. That's gospel. That's good news. But I'm just saying that, that for some people, many people we know, you and I know, that we'll be with them tomorrow and all next week, that they are living under the curses because no one has preached to them the good news so that they can be delivered from the power of the enemy and can be delivered into the kingdom of God. Oh, there's that kingdom. Write that down. I'm going to use that. All right? So hell is one of the reasons the Lord says go and tell the people and teach them and make disciples of them. But then there's another reason, and it's called love. You see, we as Christians are to love others as He has loved us. John 3, 16. For God, the Father, the Old Testament God that we think hates us and all. No, it says He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish in hell or on the earth, but have eternal life, not eternal damnation. And in 1 John 4, 10, 11, it says, And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation to take the wrath for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. In 1 John 4, 17, it says this, By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. If you're not sure if you're saved, if that question has come up in your mind, am I really a Christian? Am I really saved? Go read the very small book of 1 John, because all through that book it tells us if you're sons of God, if you're believers, if you're saved, converted, whatever terminology you want to use, then this is what your life is going to look like. And just compare your life with what it says in 1 John, and then pray. And then pray. And even if you know that you're saved, you know that if you died now, you would go to heaven. Go read it anyway and say, you know, maybe my life could be more toward God than it is. I don't want to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want to go in like a huge, long locomotive with cars full of people that I've won to the Lord. Amen. They say you can't take anything with you, but that's not true. You can take those souls with you. So love. Love is one of those reasons why we go to whoever the Lord sends us and share with them the gospel because they need to hear and we need to show that we love them. In 1 John three seventeen, it says, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Well, there I think it's talking about worldly goods, money stuff. But you know, I think there's something else that's implied there is if we have spiritual goods, if we know the truth, if we know the blessings and we see our brother doesn't have those, maybe the Lord would have us go to that person and share those things with him. Why? Because of the love that God has put in us. You see, there are benefits of salvation. In Psalm 103, 1 through 5, it lists them. Let me read them to you. There are benefits to being a believer in God and serving Him and following Him. It starts with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is, written, all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. And then it just kind of lists a few. Who pardons all your iniquities? all your sins, all that, those holes that Satan might have on you because of past habits, past disobedience, past sin, or present. He pardons all your iniquities. Oh, my goodness. And he uh, heals all your diseases. Praise the Lord. I had two strokes last year. I think it may have had three. Because there was one. I, we didn't go to the hospital to figure it out, but it sure seemed like it was a, either a heart attack or a stroke. And I'm healed of those things. Why? Because I know what God's Word says about healing. And I stand on His Word and I remind Satan of what God's Word says. And today I'm standing before you. I'm alive, not dead. I'm still preaching the Word even though there have been times when it was hard for me to come up with the Word. Why? Because I know that one of the benefits is healing of my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit. Hallelujah. Those people who are living hell on earth, that's called the pit. And maybe sometimes you feel like, gosh, I'm in a pit. Please pull me out of this pit, Lord. And he says, hey, no problem. I died. That's Satan. He's under my feet. So I'm going to redeem your life from the pit. 
and who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. I like that. I like the touchy feeling. I like the hugs. I like the. I like all that stuff. I like people to be compassionate toward me. And I give you permission to do that, Dave, if you want to. Because I'm almost through, and that'll make you have more compassion. But I love this one because I'm 72. Next month I'll be 72. And I love this verse. Who satisfies your years with good things. And so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Ooh, I love that one. I've memorized this scripture. I like to quote that when things aren't going so good. Amen. But let me just finish with this. There is resistance today. In our country, there is a resistance to the gospel. There's a resistance to Christianity. And it's not just, no, I don't want that. No, shut the door in your face. They don't hear you invite them to church. No, we're talking about real bona fide resistance. We live in such an isolationist attitude today, and we're told that it's politically incorrect to tell others they're wrong. And because of outside pressure, we have stopped sharing our testimony in the marketplace. We stopped. We don't do it. We don't want to offend anybody. You know, whole churches are built around this whole, uh, what's it called, seeker-sensitive thing. Now, we're only going to go for an hour. We're only going to sing one or two songs. We're not going to pray. We're not going to talk about the blood. We're not going to talk about sin because we don't want to offend anybody. We want them to come back and give us money so we buy a new building. No. So today, we don't do those things because there's so much resistance. We've got to stand up and be counted, people. We have to. The Bible says they love darkness more than light because their deeds were evil. All this makes it very difficult to witness, and people are no longer seeking God. But it's the sharing of the gospel that brings the Holy Spirit into play, and He is the one who convicts. And it is the Word, the gospel, what we're talking about, that the Holy Spirit uses us to convict. Yes, there is, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And I'm here to tell you that throughout the world, my world, Bolivia, Togo, West Africa, uh, former Soviet countries, Peru, I'm now speaking in Russian, speaking churches here in the United States, teaching on a lot of different things they need to hear. All that is there. It's, it's the world who's living in darkness and they need to hear the gospel. And the Lord is sending us, Karen and I, to those people but he's also sending you Life Point Church. He has put, Paul talks about his sphere of influence. Each of us in this room has a sphere. These are people we relate to. These are people that we know. These are people maybe we witnessed to them in the past, maybe not. But God has ordered our steps and he's put us in the lives of those people around us in our sphere. And he now, because there is a hell to shun, because He does love us, and it doesn't matter how much resistance there is, God wants us to go to those people and love them and share the good news with them so that they can be delivered from hell on earth and hell for eternity. Amen? So I urge you this morning to ask the Lord, Lord, who do you want me to go to? Who do you want me to 
Where do you, what do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? And be obedient. And as you do that, the Lord will bless you and will bless Life Point Church. And you'll have that reserve. You'll have that building. And it'll be a, a, a wonderful place to invite people to. And it will be filled with people who once walked in darkness, but no longer walk in darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. What a great word. What a great word. Paul, this is what I appreciate about you and, and Karen. You pray. And you hear the voice of the Lord. It's, it's almost like I stopped preaching last week. And then Paul walked up here and began where I left off last week. Um, I'm telling you what, God is speaking something to us as a church. And maybe God's speaking something to you today as an individual too. This is what I know. Behind every set of eyes in this room is a story. There's a story. And there's a reality of whether or not you're ready to stand before God. Like Paul mentioned. And the truth is, right now, you know. Either you are or you're not. In your heart of hearts, you know. And you might say, well, I hope. See, I hope is not something I want to hang my eternity on. I want to know. I want to know that I know that I know. So if you will, for these next few moments, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want to ask a couple of questions. Maybe you're here today and you have never, ever surrendered your life, surrendered your heart to Jesus. You've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins. You've never made Him Lord and Savior of your life. You don't have a relationship with God. And you know you are not ready. You are not ready to breathe your last breath. To transition over into eternity. And to stand before Him. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment comes. The good news is, just like Paul said, as he was speaking earlier, that God sent his son Jesus to die for you and to die for me so that we could stand in that moment before God and know that we have forgiveness because we've received the love and the forgiveness that comes with the sacrifice of Jesus. You might be here today and you feel like you've got too much junk in your life. You feel like you're too jacked up for God to do anything with. And you might feel like, once I get all of this stuff together in my life, then, then, I'll give my life over to God. I got news for you today. You can never be good enough. Because you can never earn the salvation that comes from Jesus. It's a gift that's freely given. The Bible says in John 3.16, in one of the verses that Paul read earlier today, that God, He so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. God's love for us came first before the sacrifice of Jesus. I want to tell you today that God loves you just as much now as He will when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He is not going to love you any less or any more. 
because He loves you with a love that is pure, that is consistent, and that is 100% of His capacity. And He loves you today. I don't feel like you have to earn it. You can't earn it. It's given freely because God loves you. Maybe you're here today and the truth is you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior in the past, but if you had to be honest, sin and compromise and complacency has crept into your life. While once you were on fire and you were passionate for Jesus and passionate for God, now that fire is kind of dulled out. Maybe today's the day that we renew that commitment. Today's the day that we rededicate our hearts to Jesus. No matter what situation that you're in, whether you've never received Jesus before, or you're in a situation where you know what? That relationship with God is not where it needs to be. And we need to make it right today. When I count to three in a moment, I want you to look your I want you to, to lift your eyes up and I want you to look at me. I'm not going to single you out or embarrass you in any way. But I want to pray for you and pray with you this morning. So that you can receive Jesus, receive His forgiveness, receive His love, and begin a beautiful journey called a relationship with God. To step out of that, to step out of the fire of hell, to step out of that judgment, and to step into the grace and forgiveness of God and the potential of everything that He desires for you to be. So if that's you and you know you are not ready to stand before God, you know there is sin in your heart, you know that Jesus is not really the Lord of your life. When I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. We're going to make that right today. Here we go. Now, this is your moment. I want you to drop all of your defenses, all the excuses, all the things that you might be telling yourself right now. Put brakes on it all and open up your heart and let God do in your life what He wants to do in your life in this moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me.